Over the past two weeks, our guests have made a strong case for how Earth, in its very beginning, was a paradise created by God, and then it was rendered a wasteland of chaos by a shadowy figure described in the Bible. But who is this figure, really? And why does the answer to that question change everything we thought we knew about Earth's history, its first inhabitants, and the fate of humanity's future? Find out right now. Hello and welcome to Skywatch TV. I'm Joe Artis Horn. Today we continue our series that has been a fascinating one on the book Before Genesis. But before we get started, let me introduce the authors. He's a multi-time, critically acclaimed, best-selling author and founder of Skywatch Television, Dr. Thomas Horn. She's a credentialed, ordained reverend with a degree in Bible and theology, a powerful voice in Christian television, Donna Howell. His broadcasting career has spanned for more than 40 years. He's the best-selling author of the groundbreaking books, Last Clash of the Titans, The Great Inception, and The Second Coming of Saturn, Derek Gilbert. I'm just going to start out with, are your minds boggling yet? <laughs> Blown away, revelation after revelation. We're talking, of course, about the subject of discussion this week, the brand new book from Defender Publishing, Before Genesis, the unauthorized history of Tohu, Bohu, and the chaos dragon in the land before time, and a DVD, of course, that's being paired with this, What Lies Beneath, The Lost Secrets of the Watchers Below, Gobekli Tepe. And I say again, in the very first week, I promised to deliver programs that would blow <laughs> the minds of viewers. And so far, I think we've got some people in the house that agree with that. Do we not? Yeah. We've been talking about the age of the earth. And Donna, we're trying to cram so much into this series to make sure the viewers at home are well informed on the subject, where it's coming from, the people that question the age of the earth, and of course, the different factions that divide themselves into different groups of assessment in terms of the age of the earth, the old earth community, the young earth community, and of course, science and what science offers in terms of its explanation, the age of the earth. And you guys mm -hmm. have done a brilliant job so far weaving those various communities together into one coherent line of thinking that also agrees with the authoritative word of God. So this yeah. almost miraculous interweaving, but it all makes very much sense. Most old earthers, Donna, would say that the culprit behind the without form and void era of Earth was Lucifer or Satan. However, you have identified some clear scriptural teachings that go well beyond the common understanding of who this character really is. Tell us about that. Yeah. When it comes to Lucifer, there's there's the understanding of his attitude. That comes from Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. In the theology world, they call this the five I wills. Isaiah says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, here's the five I wills. I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And here's the biggie. I will be like the most high. 
And then Isaiah rounds it out and says, yet you will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So you understand, first of all, that is what is commonly known in the church. A lot of people, they understand Lucifer and the five I wills and what happened. Okay, then we get into a description of what he looks like and what his kind of caricature of, of who he is. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. And it says, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So first of all, we're looking at somebody that is beautiful. The red skin with the horns and the dragon tail and the pitchfork, that's out the window. <laughs> thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Okay, well, 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 first of all, before we go any further, he's on earth, okay? Mm -hmm. Every precious stone was thy covering. And then the, the word goes on to, to mention what these stones are. Now, scholars have taken these different stones that are being listed in a very long list here and compared them to the priestly breastplate of the high priests in the Old Testament and the kings of the Old Testament and how they interacted and how they had different relationships with different stones. And if what we're looking at is, is literal, is that Lucifer, prior to his fall, is anointed in wearing the gemstones of the high priest. Mm -hmm. So he's at least a priest so far. This is something that's very, very heavily overlooked. The workmanships of thy tabrets and thy pipes were prepared in thee the day that thou wast created. So he was a masterful musician of some kind, right? Yeah. Literally built into his creation. Master of music. You wonder where some of that weird satanic music comes from and why it carries with it such a demonic presence and power yeah. that you see. You know, you hear Absolutely. those testimonies. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. He's a cherub. Mm. So when you look at what's actually being described here, we have not only a cherub, which is you know, we can get into this in a little bit if you'd like to, not only the highest creation order of all celestial beings in, in matters of authority and beauty and presence and mm -hmm. commandeering power, but he's possibly a king priest. And I'll tell you that those, those scholars who have literally looked at the covering stones and all of that, the words about him being anointed, a covering cherub, and the precious stones are literal, then Lucifer mm. had undergone the ceremonial uh, anointing that consecrates one to follow in the Lord and to lead others to do so in the same manner as the Old Testament kings and priests. So we're looking at a king priest cherub with a lot of authority. Now, whenever you're saying cherub, are you talking about the little baby type of figure that we see, like on T-shirts or in posters? Yeah, what no. do you mean by that? Things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the cute little baby. No, I'm like, no, I'm glad you asked me that. Okay, this goes back to the Byzantine iconoclasm. Now, we don't have time to go into it in great detail, but basically, when we were looking at kind of the Renaissance era and 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 everything that was going on during that time, what happened with the iconoclasm was that there was this religious movement that said anybody who owns religious art is worshiping that religious art because they get all mystical around it or they want to venerate it. So we're done with all religious art. And they put the kibosh in one point in history down on anything that was religious uh, art. Then when religious art was once again legalized, I'm going over hundreds of years of history here, yeah. when it was once again allowed kind of in the church, 
what they did was they, they copied and borrowed from the religious artwork that they knew at the time, which was entirely based on the Greco-Roman pantheon. So what we get is this weird idea that angels have wings. No, they don't. We're talking about a you know, completely different member of the celestial order here. An angel is a messenger, and they never have wings in the Bible. This idea that the little baby angel, you know, <laughs> you've got to pick them up and burp them. As Mike, oh, remember when Mike Heiser used Come to say on. that? <laughs> if, if I've got to pick up and burp one of God's major <laughs> celestial. He said that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says it's oh, it's really funny. hard to believe in the cherubs when you know you got to pick them up and wow. burp them for okay. them to do anything. Right. No, no, seriously. No, a cherub was. Okay, here's, here's the breakdown. First of all, they were guardians of the Garden of Eden. Right? We read that in Genesis 3.24. They were embroidered into the veil of the Holy of Holies, which we read about in uh, Ezekiel 26. They were crafted in gold atop the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence came to speak to his people. They already have this weird kind of intermediate pr presence everywhere. Uh, that, that we read about in uh, Exodus 25 and number 7. They are the entities who God himself dwells between, the Bible says, as he sits upon his throne. That's in Isaiah, 2 Kings, Psalm, and several other places. And thus they are the top ranking of all celestial beings that God ever made. So clearly this being, this Lucifer, he was stationed in a place of incredible power and authority. Mm -hmm. And we do get the baby angel idea. We got to understand, first of all, that that actually comes, specifically Cupid, that mm -hmm. that comes from a very perverted god, otherwise known in the Greco-Roman pantheon as Eros. And first of all, he wasn't a baby. He was a teenager and he was omnipresent. And the arrows that he shot were not arrows of love and warmth. They were arrows of deviant sexual behavior. Mm. And he was the one that, that, that often had so-and-so cheating on so-and-so. And this person was, you know, of different genders. And all of that stuff that's happening in the Greco-Roman pantheon, a lot of it started with him. It's a very perverted god. Yeah, Eros is from which we make erotic or right. eroticism. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cherubim looked a lot more like the Lamassu found outside the palace of the Assyrian kings at Nineveh, which was a giant bull-like creature with a human head with the wings of an eagle. In fact, we saw the, uh, the Lamassu at the uh, British Museum. When you looked at them, they had the human head, the wings of the eagle, the body of the bull, and the paws of the lion. In other words, mm -hmm. the same four entities described when Ezekiel saw the cherubim, or the cherubim, as the Hebrews would pronounce it, in Ezekiel chapter 1 and Ezekiel chapter 10, the guardians of the throne room of God. These were seriously bad creatures that you did not want to mess with. <laughs> now remember, when you look at Lucifer and you're thinking of him as the cherub, right? Earth was his home, his kingdom. We find this all throughout scripture. He resided upon the mountain of God, Ezekiel says. He was cut down to the ground. That means literally thrown to earth. Uh, that was in Isaiah. The ruler of this world, as well as the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air, still working the sons of disobedience. And it goes on to say he has the authority over all the kingdoms of the earth in Luke 4. Mm -hmm. In theories that you can take seriously, that I know of, there has never been any other conclusion. So it's very important that when we're looking at the void era of earth and wondering who did what and who the culprit was, it's very clear that Lucifer was given earth as his kingdom well before he ever fell. Mm -hmm. Now, Tom, in addition to being a king priest, you say that there are links between Lucifer and the serpent family. So does this make Lucifer serpentine or reptilian in his nature? Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, he's referred to as a dragon and also as a serpent in places like Revelation 12, 9 and 20 and 2. 
the serpent or the snake of Eden, the Hebrew nakash, which literally translates the shining one. Lucifer, that's from Hillel ben Shakar, which literally means shining one or son of the dawn. And so many studies around this character basically describe this as a serpentine shining uh, powerful entity that was associated with the divine council that Derek Gilbert and Mike Heiser and others have so readily talked about. Mm-hmm. Psalms 82, 1, Kings 22:19, all of Job, many scholars, again, including uh, Derek, who thankfully is with us today, <laughs> and I'm happy about that. Uh, and Derek will talk about this too. But uh, you go on, Christ's victory over Lucifer, Satan on the cross, was predicted in the most famous parts of the Old Testament, what we call the Proto-Evangelium or the pre-preaching of the coming Mm -hmm. of the Son of Man when it talks about the seed. The seed of the woman will crush the head of what? The serpent. So all through the Bible, he is directly associated with uh, serpentine iconography. Later on, either in today's show or next week's show, we'll talk about what was going on in some of these very ancient megalithic structures mm-hmm. and also at Gobekli Tepe and Karahan Tepe and these different places where among the uh, Halal and, and the, uh, the Ubaid people, um, they were burying themselves with little serpentine figures, the oh, body wow. of a man, but the face of a serpent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this... This seems to have been worldwide. Joe, when you were our filmographer uh, in the Four Corners area of the United States, you remember we went into a traditional hogan at the Navajo Nation and talked to Dr. Don Mose, one of the most highly respected Indian academics, still alive, writing books for their universities and so on. But he told us exactly the same story and their creation mythos, the, you know, above the mountain, uh, a, a bright shiny disc came down for you ufology people. But it came down out of the air and it said a bearded man, which is interesting because the Apache don't have facial hair, but they're describing what they're seeing and it's more biblical than it actually was historically uh, American Indian. But he creates all the good things on the earth. Then he goes away, but then soon after the portal over the mountain opens again mm-hmm. and now a serpentine figure comes through. And immediately he's describing exactly the same thing that we're seeing worldwide uh, that then then, of course, starts uh, betraying the Indians, starts teaching them witchcraft. Remember him telling us I that? Do. Now they're going down into their underground kivas. That's they start right. practicing cannibalism. So this was a phenomenon that has worldwide reporting, but it all goes back to this, this great serpentine figure we would call the, the fallen Lucifer, if you will, Satan, and what he did to take ownership of the earth and to spread this destruction and chaos uh, worldwide. So it is biblical, but it's more than just biblical. We have the testament of this happening literally in every developed nation of the world going back to their beginning. Now, there was a question that uh, came to my mind when I researched the book, uh, The Second Coming of Saturn, which you published, which also created kind of a theological war. I've been called a heretic for some of my (laughs) conclusions. How can this entity be a serpent or serpentine and at the same time be a cherub, which is a human lion, ox, eagle? And I think the answer is actually in the older Hebrew scriptures called the Septuagint. Mm -hmm. In Ezekiel 28, in the Septuagint translation, and this is the translation that was prepared by Jewish religious scholars in the third century BC, taking older Hebrew texts that are no longer available to us uh, and translating them into Greek, about 200 BC. This was what was available to the apostles. From the day you were created, I placed you with the cherub on the holy mountain of God. In other words, you're dealing with this entity 
this serpentine entity who was placed uh, in Eden with the cherub. And in verse 16, uh, you sinned and were wounded from the mountain of God and the cherub led you out of the middle of the fiery stones. In other words, there is no contradiction because this guardian cherub is a separate entity. He had to kick Lucifer out of Eden. Hmm. So Derek, what do you make of the link between Satan, Lucifer, reptiles, and the serpentine? <laughs> well, this is what got me called a uh, heretic. In fact, uh, this, this came up on, a, on a, another television program here recently. We, we were made aware of it. Somebody asked about the book, and it was dismissed as stupid. Um, <laughs> because I concluded that Lucifer <laughs> is not Satan, that it is the leader of the watchers oh, wow. described in the book of First Enoch, that Shemiyaza, who is described as the chief of the watchers, the sons of God from Genesis chapter 6, is the character identified in scripture as Lucifer, which is a translation of the Hebrew, Halel ben Shekar. Mm-hmm. A scholar named William R. Gallagher about 30 years ago wrote a paper and said that Halel is actually the West Semitic, read Hebrew, transliteration of the Akkadian god Elil or Enlil, mm-hmm. who was the creator god of Mesopotamia, whose temple, by the way, is where Ezekiel got his vision of the throne mm. room of God, directly above the temple of Enlil, who was called Molech by the Hebrews, Saturn by the Romans, Kronos by the Greeks. But the bottom line here, either way, you've got a divine rebel who's being kicked out of Eden, and yeah. this character has clearly... Uh, caused an inflection point in history where God was forced to step in and do something very drastic to get things back on track. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to make sure you know how you can get your copy of this incredible new book in the Before Genesis Master Collection. When you order the Before Genesis Master Collection from the skywatchtvstore.com, you'll receive the brand new book, Before Genesis, The Unauthorized History of Tohu, Bohu and the Chaos Dragon in the Land Before Time by Dr. Thomas Horn and Donna Howell. In this phenomenal new work, you'll learn about the debate raging between the old earth and the young earth creationist groups, what the earth was like during the without form and void era of Genesis 1-2, how ancient archaeological sites like Gobekli Tepe and the doorway of the serpent point to an intelligent race of beings on earth alive before the time of Adam and under Lucifer's fallen influence. And for the first time ever, the conclusion to the events of Genesis that merges all contributing voices from not only the young and old creationist groups, but the scientific community as well into one balanced and agreeable climax. But that's not all. You'll also receive the amazing DVD, What Lies Beneath, The Lost Secrets of the Watchers Below Gobekli Tepe, featuring archaeologist and author Dr. Aaron Judkins and best-selling author Derek Gilbert as they reveal Gobekli Tepe's historical use as a place of watchers' worship, the evidence of a cult that venerated human skulls and reptilian creators, and the links between the god of Gobekli Tepe and the Bible. Also included in this must-have master collection are the digital, downloadable e-book versions of the Earth's earliest ages, unearthing the lost world of the Cloud Eaters and the Apocrypha, including the Book of Enoch. These three masterpiece works will be available for download immediately when you place your order for the Before Genesis Master Collection and are being included in this offer absolutely free. All of these items hold a retail value of over $85. Yours now for your donation of only $35 plus shipping and handling. So don't delay. You can scan the QR code on your screen using the camera app on your phone for instant access to this special opportunity. You can also visit us at skywatchtvstore.com or 
call 1-844-750-4985 and ask for the Before Genesis Master Collection right now. It is not an offer that you're gonna wanna miss out on, I promise. Before Genesis, the unauthorized history of Tohu Bohu and the Chaos Dragon and the Land Before Time and the companion DVD, What Lies Beneath, The Lost Secrets of the Watchers Below, Gobekli Tepe. So Donna, in the book, you and Tom have identified Lucifer as a serpentine king priest whose kingdom was and is earth. But a king has subject too, so who do you say he was ruler over? First, there is the obvious answer, one third of the angels that fell with him. That's what a lot of scholars understand from what is being presented in Revelation 12, three through four, who's again in Jude six, their first estate wasn't good enough for them. And so they joined in the ultimate fate of the everlasting chains under darkness into judgment of the great day. So one third of the angels that followed the Lucifer slash Satan figure in the very beginning. I have heard a lot of scholars that have said, you know, the one third is misunderstood, but we did go ahead and continue moving forward with the idea that one third is what we're looking at based on the mainstream with that. But secondly, a pre-Adamic race. Now, understand, I got to qualify this, the pre-Adamic race, when people hear pre-Adamites, or a pre-Adamic race, naturally everybody cringes. That's there for two reasons. First of all, it, it, there's this idea that, well, humans didn't exist before Adam. So when you say pre-Adamic race, are you talking about humans before Adam? Because obviously Adam was the first human and the Bible is clear. No, we're not talking about humans before the time of Adam, at least not the humans that would have been made in the image of God. Second of all, we are not talking about this very popular conspiracy theory that intergalactic space travelers at some point uh, were more intelligent than us and they made Earth and then they made us and we all belong to the aliens and we have the aliens to thank for how where we came from. These are the reasons why when most biblical scholars hear the question of a pre-Adamic race or pre-Adamites, they say there is no way that the Bible could ever allow for an interpretation where there would be a pre-Adamic race. No, I'm sorry. Take away the astronauts for a moment and take away the idea that there was ever a human made in the image of God before Adam's time. The Bible actually forces the idea of a pre-Adamic race and here's how. Angels were created before Adam. The Bible's clear about that, right? Mm -hmm. All angels were beings of extreme intelligence. The Bible is also clear about that. Uh, let's go with the third for a moment. A third of them fell, becoming evil, and when they did, earth was their home. So there was a pre-Adamic race on earth before the time of Adam. Now, is there a possibility? Now, we know that Lucifer or, or Satan, whatever you want to call him, we know that in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, there was this weird Nephilim story, right? Where he takes creation that God already made and he warps, genetically modifies through a DNA manipulation, mm -hmm. a, a hybrid between human and angel. And what is born from that union is we... We can hardly even describe what that offspring is, but it does happen all throughout the, the Old Testament. We have these weird Nephilim and their offspring and the Rephaim and the Anunnaki from the Sumerian. You know, we have all of these stories that go back to that moment. What if this deceiver, this Lucifer slash Satan, wasn't just a manipulator of the human genome 
What if he was also a manipulator of something else, something pre-Adamic? How old are dinosaurs? What if we're looking at the idea that yep. there's a lot of things? Okay, you want to talk about Darwinian monkey men? Let's talk about Darwinian monkey men. What are they? They're <laughs> clearly not human. That's not biblical that they would be human. But once in a while, somebody thinks they've found the genealogical link between monkey man and modern ape man, a bipedal human looking like skeleton in the ground or something yeah. run alongside the dinosaurs. What is that if not human? A possibility is that it is a pre-Adamic race that is not human. Where did it come from? And Donna, it's interesting that mm. uh, you're talking about this now because this article was published just very recently, the last few weeks. Uh, remains found in China may belong to a third human lineage. And they literally, if you read the article, they're talking about um, a human hybrid. So it appears to have some kind of like hominid DNA, mm -hmm. but it also has uh, other things going on with it that absolutely are not human. And uh, it doesn't even have a chin. In fact, Donna, its facial structure could even be thought of as being more reptilian than it is mm. human because of the way the head is shaped. This thing, they've dated it to be 300,000 years old. Oh, wow. And it would definitely have been a pre-Adamite, but it does have some, when I say human-like features, I mean it has legs, it's bipedal, it's got arms. So it stood erect probably, it walked probably, mm -hmm. uh, but it is definitely not a human. And now this oh. has the whole science community is just buzzing. So a team of paleontologists at the Chinese Academy of Sciences working with the University of York, the University of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, the National Research Center on Human Evolution has found evidence of a pre previously unknown hybrid human lineage. In their study, reported now in the Journal of Human Evolution, the group analyzed the fossil jawbone, skull, leg bones, and so on, and dated it to 300,000 years old. So, some possible evidence of this very, some, something like human that was right. on the earth a long time before Adam and Eve. And then in addition to that, Joe, uh, like the Apocrypha, the ancient church fathers, the historians, the Dead Sea Scrolls, earth legends around the globe uh, speak of these mutated forms, or we would call them mutations, they were more monstrous, if you will, mm. Mm. that predate Adam and Eve. Uh, for instance, Eusebius said this about the time on earth that you're talking about this void era. He said there was all kinds of dragon-like monstrous beings. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Jubilees. By the way, there are people who believe that Jubilees should be part of the canon of Scripture, the Greek mm -hmm. Orthodox Church, the Catholics, many include mm -hmm. that in their Bible as uh, Scripture. Jubilees 5, 2, 7, 21, and 25 says, all flesh on earth corrupted its way, man and cattle and beasts and birds and everything which walks on the earth, and they began to eat one another. Hmm. Now, the problem with this is nothing ate each other in God's original creation. Right. They That's were right. given the herbs exactly. of the field. So yeah. something happened that changed them. Furthermore, there are scientists who say there's evidence that the dinosaurs at one time were not carnivorous either. They were all herbivores. They ate plants and grass and that sort of thing. But then suddenly, scientists say, suddenly something happened. Sudden kind of chaos on the earth, and many of the dinosaurs then begin eating one another, which is exactly what this ancient book says happens. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, Cave 4, describes a void era fallen angel or a watcher called Malcharisha, who is, according to these scrolls, found in the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, in Qumran, terrifyingly adder-like, like a poisonous uh, viper. 
Then you have modern day scholars like our late friend, Dr. J.R. Church, uh, who wrote in Prophecy in the News uh, about the warped void era creatures who were, according to him, quote, designed with the DNA code of a reptilian race. So evidence right. global right, right. that this phenomenon did unfold. And this is where this conversation is going to go next week. Ladies and gentlemen, join us when our guests return to talk about the paramount questions, whatever happened to the dinosaurs? And did they really go extinct 66 million years ago, as scientists say? Were they ever God's creation to begin with? And what of the biblical Leviathan? Was he a dinosaur too? And some scholars suggest that, but if not, how does he fit into the picture? Those questions and so many more next week. Ladies and gentlemen, for everybody here in studio, everybody on panel, thanks again for joining us. I'm Joe Artis Horn. Keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. We'll be back. 